Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, we are back talking about the 2011 green screen sci-fi action film Manborg. This is a Canadian movie made on a budget of 1000 Canadian dollars. Yep. That's 825 US dollars or 3 weeks rent in Nashville. Damn. <laughs> According to Stephen Kostansky, the director, uh, most of this movie was shot in his parents' garage. It it looks like that. Yeah, it really does. There's one point in this where one of the characters just sits down on a spool of electrical wire that was left over from maybe a remodeling or something. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it feels like very early Doctor Who episodes or something. Like yeah. It's just- it's tacky, but it's fun. He also said that most of the costumes and sets were made from trash that they found. In fact, between takes, they would have to duct tape the costumes back together. And they would use bits of one costume to make up another costume. Yeah. A lot of, let's see if we can do this. So the making of this movie reminds me a lot of the making of this podcast. where we just say hey i got some stuff let's see if we can do a thing and then they did a thing and it's an awesome thing it is it's a lot of fun the first time i watched this through so i watch every movie that we discuss i watch it through twice i watch it once just to experience it the way it is and then i watch it a second time to analyze it and to take notes for for our discussion but the first time through i always watch it just to experience it and i'll be really honest i was super skeptical about this movie i thought it was just a bad bad movie the second time through when i started taking notes that's when i realized just how much gold is in this movie yeah to me, it's like it's someone that like has like really, really, really good vision and stuff, and they just want to make like a love letter to shitty movies, and they did <laughs> the cheapest, craziest way possible. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty apt summary uh, of this movie that we're about to break down. Movie was produced by a Canadian micro-budget production company called Astron Six. Known for campy 80s style comedy horror. I love those guys. I've yeah, seen everything they put out. These uh, are the folks who produced last year's campy wonder movie, Psycho Gorman. Yeah, they did Psycho Gorman. Uh, they did The Editor, which I love that one. That one's really, it's like a love letter. It's kind of like this, but with Italian or Shallow. And uh, it's really cool. But yeah, anything I see, like one of these guys, especially uh, Adam Brooks, if I see him attached to anything, I, I got to watch it at least once. Directed by Stephen Kostansky, known for The Void in 2016, and as we just said, last year's Psycho Gorman. I love The Void as a good 
that was a good like kind of like uh i don't know hp lovecraft kind of like horror movie written by steven kostansky and jeremy gillespie jeremy gillespie is best known for the void of course i mean there's like what six movies these guys have made yeah and it's like not all of them are making the same stuff but they always come on each other's projects to do a little something it's weird right Gillespie, also known for his work in the art department on the award-winning Guillermo del Toro film, The Shape of Water. That was a good movie. Won a whole bunch of awards. Academy Awards, Golden Globes, just took home all the trophies that year. Yeah. Movie stars Matthew Kennedy as Manborg. Kennedy is an Astron 6 regular. has uh, been in just about everything they've done including Father's Day, The Editor, and Chow Boys, an American folktale. Adam Brooks is Dr. Scorpius and Count Draculon, best known for the Astron 6 web series Divorced Dad, which sounds like something I would do. <laughs> My life's falling apart. Let me go on public access TV and share the pain. I don't know. Everything that... <laughs> Every time I see this guy, it's, I don't know, it's funny. He played the dad in uh, Psycho Gorman. He was like the main character and the editor. He, he's just, he's funny. I like him. I like his, like his style and shit. He's great in this, especially as the doctor, the Dr. Scorpius. He's probably one of the better actors in this movie. Oh, yeah. Next, we have Meredith Sweeney as Mina, and her only acting credits are Stephen Kostansky films. Yeah. And we have her brother, Connor Sweeney, as Justice. He's appeared in a number of short films, along with the short-lived Canadian TV series, Allie and Lara Make a Horror Movie. He's, he also, he's like just, in this movie especially, he's like just like the cockiest ass. Yeah, he's and definitely he, like, a cartoon character in this movie. He has the best lines, too. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, anytime you get cocky asshole I, it, 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 with like good lines you know i'm gonna for that character he, he he's really fucking funny in this movie next we have ludwig lee as number one man he also has done nothing outside of astron six although we never hear his voice in this movie because number one man is overdubbed by kyle hebert who yeah. is an incredible voice actor if you've watched any anime ever, you've yeah. heard this man. He's worked on Dragon Ball. He was the voice of Gohan on Dragon Ball Z Kai. He worked on One Punch Man, Naruto The Next Generation, and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah, uh, he's very, very prolific guy. Uh, yeah, it's some shows you look up on, on the IDB, and it's like just his name, and he's like half the cast, you know. Yeah, he's great. And that's where 500 of the $825 they used to make this movie went. Probably, yeah. <laughs> An incredible voice actor, very, very accomplished in the field. And he added something special to this movie, too. I think the character of number one man would not have been nearly as enjoyable without this voiceover. Yeah, like, I kind of want to know what that guy sounds like. But, like, yeah, it totally makes the character. Plus, like, it, the way they film this, like, most of the stuff is overdubbed anyway, but it's 
other people. It's like the actors overdubbing their own lines and stuff. Yeah. Except for him. He's the only one that's like, it totally feels like off, but it, it gives it that like weird, uh, like, I don't know, martial arts movie feel, which I know that's what they're going for, but like it just, it, it further uh, solidifies it. Like, because yeah, everything is overdubbed except for like this one guy's voice is different. Right. We also have Andrea Carr as Shadow Mega, and she only has one other acting credit uh, outside this film. That's also an Astron 6 film called Sebastian and Alan, about two guys who pick up a female hitchhiker. That's all I know about that one. It sounds, yeah. it sounds like an invitation to demonic cannibalism. It's, it's definitely got like a horror movie type vibe to it or something. I'd watch it. Finally, we've got my favorite character of this movie. I don't know if I've said somebody else is my favorite character or not, but uh, I was wrong. This is my favorite character. We have Jeremy Gillespie as the Baron. The Baron <laughs> is awesome. Horrible yeah. rubber mask and all. The Baron is a wonderful character. It's like a Halloween prop mask. It looks like some like kind of knockoff Hellraiser thing. And it's like the the lips and the mouth doesn't move, but he's constantly talking and he's like a scientist. It's just, it's awkward, but it's, yeah. it's, it, it's a Hellraiser type mask, you yeah. know, where the, the corners of the mouth are, are pinned open. And there's this horrible mouth inside a mouth effect that you get from it. But it's easy to forget about that and just enjoy the wonderful awkwardness of this character. He's, uh, I don't know, it's like a German scientist, and but like a complete, like, klutz from the office or something, putting a one, you know? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Uh, it's pain. So we open with a narrative crawl. Earth is at war against the armies of hell, which appear to be stop-action Lego and claymation robots. And not like cool. It's, these are like toys that your your uh, older brother like cobbled together to make like a stop motion crap like three second short. Yeah, exactly. Basically, they went into Stephen Kostansky's attic. They found his box of Legos. There wasn't enough there to do what they needed, so they went to Goodwill and got some more Legos and used that to make a movie. With like some old He-Man parts glued on, like, <laughs> like, and stuff. But yeah, they're, I, it's charming in a way, you know, that homemade stuff is, you know. Right. The armies of hell are led by Count Draculon, and we see a shadowy figure looking at a dandelion, and then bombs start going off all around it. Yeah, it's uh, it's like full on. It goes like all like serene and stuff to full on like um was it band of brothers like war two action scene right right we see count dracula in there with this little dandelion flower this is wonderful this is nice this is beautiful burn it all like robots and like uh i don't know weird zombie alien nazis with like melted faces but they all they all kind of like look like dudes dressed up like security guards with like melted face mask on. Yeah, these face mask these uh these are the Killborgs and they've all been costumed from Party City. Yes. We cut to the army evacuating citizens civilians as the war rages on the green screen behind them and the perspective is really screwy here. 
everything's far. out of proportion. It's supposed to look like it's really far in the distance, but it's kind of zoomed in. So it looks really, really close up. Yeah, it's flat, like all the depths fucked up. And I don't know, it kind of is, it reminds me of like music videos, like where it's just, they just kind of like go with whatever. And it's like just a composite, a composite on composite. And it just feels flat, but at the same time, it's really riveting. Like those Trent Reznor videos where the band is in the foreground, but there's something playing on the screen behind them and it's super zoomed in. Yeah, it's weird. You get like some weird visual effects and stuff, but it's like, yeah, it's action packed, but it does seem like there's nothing going on. Well, there's a soldier fighting alongside his brother and his brother gets shot. The soldier won't leave his brother. He's doing the stereotypical go on without me save yeah. yourself no i won't leave you in blood it's like nah you know tell mom i love her and all that shit and then like yeah it's like the, hey, the thing ahead. about this scene is is you can tell he had to spit that blood through several takes because yeah. the blood stains change position on his face throughout this entire scene yeah position and shape too it's like and the amount was, okay. as well yeah. well He gives his brother a family photo and tells him to go. Finally, his brother takes off, but he looks back just in time to see Count Draculon eating his brother. Count Draculon looks like, I don't know, like a, like a knockoff guar dude, you know, it kind of looks like does. This makeup was done by Steven Kostansky. These appliances were done by Steven Kostansky and the paint job is so muddy that it's hard to pick out much detail at all in, in the facial appliances. Yeah, it, it um, kind of reminds me of those harpies from Skyrim. Yeah. It, it's like a, a vampire cross with an old lady and then like full like kiss regalia. Well, Draculon says they taste so much better when they still have hope and the living brother decides that's all he needs he's gonna go back and kill draculon he ends up <laughs> fighting draculon one-on-one gun against sword yeah they um, do a little fight thing what's weird is that when the fight starts they're on a gravel lot because you see draculon's sword landing in the gravel at some point but then suddenly they're in a grassy field draculon picks the soldier up and holds him hanging in the air while his men all shoot him to death. Then we see somebody off camera drag the soldier's body away. And then the credits, and it's like, uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, the $6 million man, like opening credits, but like uh, 80s yeah. synthesizers and stuff. It's really right. cool. We've got some Lego-based stop motion for the robotic hands and such some 1980s style PC or Commodore 64 video game graphics. Basically, we see somebody building a robot with power tools. There's a cordless drill at one point, a circular saw heading toward his head. That's concerning. Uh, Claymation is stop motion, like robot arms, like a car factory, like screwing in bolts and stuff. Right. It's really cute. Yeah. Next, we see the robotic soldier who we're going to learn is named Manborg coming online. And it's very much like RoboCop. We see it all through the 
computer visual interface. Yeah, POV camera with like some uh, like a lens effect or something. Like they put a red thing on it with like the computer touch ups there, you know. And then he punches his way out of a box. His robot eye identifies a ladder and he climbs out of the room and heads down the alley, walking in the most I am a robot, beep bloop, beep bloop way you can possibly imagine. I mean, the idea is... (laughs) I love Buck Rogers. Me too, man. They just put that up. I've been watching it. But yeah, I mean, the idea is that he's learning how to control his robotic functions and it's taking a while. And he does fall down at one point. And this is when he sees himself in a little puddle of water and realizes that he has robotics making up part of his face. Well, as Manborg leaves the alley, he sees the world has changed a lot. Think Blade Runner meets the fifth element. You're filmed in your being your parents' basement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it went from like a band of brothers straight to like, yeah, some kind of weird dollar store Blade Runner. Yeah. Lots of neon, lots of pink neon everywhere. Oh. Lots of digital signs all over the place. Digital billboards, floating cars zipping by really, really fast. But only on one level. It's not like in Fifth Element where they're just flying through the sky everywhere. No, nah, yeah, it's it's not that cool. <laughs> yeah, there's only so much you can do with the green screen in a basement. You can't get that whole 360 panorama appearance. There's a lot of trash. <laughs> there's a lot of trash. Well, down the street, Manborg sees some killboards along with Shadow Mega, and they're beating up a guy. Yeah. This is... This is when he meets number one man. And this was a confusing scene because he's just standing there watching this fight. And then off camera, we hear somebody talking all of a sudden. Don't say anything. To which Manborg replies very loudly. What? Yeah. Also, there's a <laughs> lot of uh, in this movie, though, like dialogues overdubbed and stuff. So you, you get a lot of people talking off screen. And then it'll show their reaction face after they just said something, which is really weird. But to me, it kind of feels like a, I don't know, like a, like a really crappy computer game, like where they used to do like those uh, where they film the stuff, you know. So yeah. everything feels like a video game in this in this movie, like a CD-ROM game, and it's like the like the cuts. You'll you'll hear someone talk, and then it'll cut to their face, and then it'll cut to the person that they're talking to for a reaction shot as well. It's it's weird. It's more action. Than, than anything, you know? Right. So Shadow Mega disappears with the guy that the Killborgs are beating up, and she, she drags him off into a doorway, and I'm not sure here if she dismembers the guy or if Manborg is remembering something, but whatever it is, he does flashback to Draculon eating his brother, and decides he needs to put a stop to this. He heads toward the Killborgs. One of the Killborgs sees him and tells him to stop. And he says, nope, and turns around and starts running. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure here if he's telling the Killborg, no, I'm not going to stop, or if the Killborg noticed him and he just realized 
yeah, I'm I'm not gonna go stop them now. This is this is not a fight I want to get into. Either way, he just yells, nope, and turns around and starts walking away. <laughs> well, the Kilborgs start chase after him. They have sort of they have light hoverboards. They just jump in the air and land on a circle of light and float away green goblin style. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like that uh, He-Man movie or something. It's just like they just jump up and then the board appears like in Tron, like it just digitally constructs. Yeah, it's very Tron-like. And then like they're just they're just like kind of standing there floating and then like the part or whatever to move. Right. Weird. Well, number one man jumps into the fight, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter style. All of the fights here are very video game-like. Yeah. Complete video game sound effect, little anime cutscene. Once you see it, if you're a fan of anime, you're going to like the fights in this movie. That's all there is. Yeah, they they film the fights like kind of old school (laughs) kung fu movie style where they do all the editing in camera. So they like... they. You know, get a couple of like, you know, quick punches, then they'll move the camera, do a kick and then move back and then they'll do another punch to sell it. And then like, so it's like, it's all like, they didn't have to like, you know, do a bunch of fight takes. They just did the moves they needed and then went with it. So it's like very, it it, it impacts you a lot like that way. I don't know. I I like old school Kung Fu movies. So, yeah. Well, the Killborgs beat down Manborg and number one man with their shock batons. Manborg discovers he has a big knife built into his robot arm. Very Robocop reminiscent. <clears throat> like it's, it's like, but it's longer than that spike that Robocop has. This is like an actual, like a small sword. It just comes out of his fist. Yeah, it's about as long as his entire arm is. Just comes right out of his fist. Well, he uses that to split a Killborg's head open. Then Shadow Mega reappears and kicks Manborg in the head. She doesn't say anything for a long time in this. We don't actually hear her name until like 70% of the way through this film. Yeah, you just know her as like the badass redhead chick. Another thing about this movie is it's about a third shorter than any other movie we've covered. It's 62 minutes is all you get here. And they pack a lot in that 62 minutes. Oh, yeah. You get a lot of bang for your buck in this movie. Because they had to do everything fast and stuff. So it's like fast and loose. Yeah. All right. Then we cut to Shadow Mega riding a hover bike down a city street. There's a sign welcoming you to New Hell. Number one man and Manborg are handcuffed inside a car that's following Shadow Mega. Much like a paddy wagon. Yeah. And it's kind of cool in that one scene where they're just driving down the road. They give you so much exposition and like a little news bump. You know, right. We've got the signs telling us that renegades won't be tolerated and that you should volunteer for experimentation. There's (laughs) there's a lot going wrong in in the world right now uh, in this movie. It's new hell. (laughs) I mean, you know, right. So we see video game graphics of these cars heading into a big tower where the guys get unloaded and more cartoon green screen of people walking around in the background where the perspective is all wrong. Yeah. Like force, like, I don't know the whole, yeah, it's like all force flat and shit. It's weird. 
I mean, it's easy for me to believe that they were learning how to use this because after this point, it gets a lot better. I think they were just trying to figure, feel their way around using this tool in making this movie. So I thought it was like they were doing it intentionally to make it like, I mean, they knew they had a small budget. So if they went over the top and made it look even more crappy, more like it's filmed in a basement, which it was, then like, you know, they can get they can get away with shit being like, you know, using that their crap to like get away with shit. Yeah, that's possible, too. So it's like uh, the more over the top they went, the, the farther they can push it, you know? Yeah. Well, this is where we meet the Baron, uh, played by writer, producer Jeremy Gillespie, like we said, in a really bad rubber mask. Yeah. It seems that number one man recently escaped from this prison. Earlier, we saw Manborg identify him as a prisoner by a barcode tattooed on his forearm. Yeah, is the character of uh, the Baron is so wacky. It, it's kind of like, I don't know, like playing uh, Japanese RPGs or like you said, anime. It's like he just seems so out of place in this movie. Yeah. Like the way he talks and stuff. It's like, man, you're doing like straight up old creepy anime doctor, you know? <laughs> and like, and it, it fits. It works real well. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like, uh, I don't know. And later on, it was like, the Baron to me feels like Dr. Wiley, right? Yeah. And in, in the Mega Man series, he's just like, just kind of goofy comic relief bad guy. Cause like you got. That's Draculon. exactly what he is. Yeah. You got Draculon who's like the main baddie, but you know, you never see him in the movie like a couple of times. Most of the time you're, you're dealing with the Baron and he's totally inept. He's like Skeletor. Yeah. Yeah. I love the Baron. Yeah. He's funny. He's hands down my favorite character in this film. Next, we meet Dr. Scorpius. He instructs Shadow Mega to have her people ready the arena because the Baron demands more blood. Then we cut to Manborg in a cell, remembering how his brother died. And this is where we meet Justice. Man, Justice. Justice, imagine a baby-faced Billy Idol impersonator with an Australian accent. That's justice. Yeah, but like a really crappy Australian accent. Oh, yeah. The obviously fake Australian accent. Imagine if you were trying to do a cartoon version, super amped up version of the Geico lizard. Yeah. With a fake Australian accent. I'll see you've heard Australians talk before. Yeah. I'm going in and out of British accents and stuff. Right. But also, he's like this skinny little punk kid, you know, but he's like, I don't know, he's supposedly pretty tough or something. I don't know. He's 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 constantly it's like he developed his entire personality from watching Billy Idol music videos. Yeah. If you if you're familiar with like Mortal Kombat, he's like a really whiny version of Kano. (laughs) Yeah, he sounds like he might have watched one episode of Crocodile Hunter, and that was where he developed his Australian accent, and it's horrible. Yeah. Next, we meet Mina. Number one man was supposed to protect her from something and failed. She's Justice's sister, both in the movie and in real life. And she's also probably the baddest ass, like, 
number one man supposed to be like the general. He like teaches people to fight and stuff. He's like martial artist. But this chick, like, she's like, I don't know, kind of reminds me of Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. She's like, she wields two knives and she kind of like, has this like Native American makeup thing going on, but she's also looks like a, like, I don't know, like a club kid or something. Yeah. But yeah, she whoops the hell out of people with knives and shit. Well, Dr. Scorpius comes in. He's just walking down the line, picking who's going to fight in the arena. As he's leaving, the Baron arrives and tells him to hurry up and do what he just did. <laughs> <laughs> then he kicks the crutch out from under him. So Scorpius falls flat there, and the Baron seems to enjoy that. Next, we see the Baron trying very awkwardly to flirt with Mina. Yeah. Uh, he agreed. refers to her only by her designation as prisoner number seven. Or specimen. He uses that a lot. Like right. Greek. He invites her to his own nightmare chamber after her friends have been killed in the arena later. But she's not interested. No. Well, after the Baron leaves, the cell bars open and a floating robot escorts the prisoners from their cells. Justice is doing his Billy Idol rebel yell dance until yeah. the robot zaps him and tells him no dancing. So they go off to the arena. You're like, yep. it's going to be best. It's going to be like, you know, Coliseum Day versus like, you know, the gladiators versus robots or whatever. They're going to send at them lions and tigers and whatnot. Yeah. Dr. Scorpius is watching all of this on a Matrix style stack of television monitors. It's even backlit Matrix green. And then the rest of the guys enter the arena. The stands are full of killborgs and maybe vampires. Yeah. Because Justice says something about bloodsuckers. But yeah, they're in a Coliseum-style arena. And their opponents enter the arena on hover bikes. They're zipping around at high speed, like the kind of high speed where you could just plow these guys over and be done. But they don't do that. Now they just go around and try to uh, intimidate and terrorize them by, like, you know, driving around in circles and stuff and yelling at them as crap. Well, Mina starts the fight off by running and jumping onto one of the bikes. She just kind of straddles the guy's lap, cowgirl style, and cuts his head off. Like, yeah, two, sword, or two knives in the neck. And then when she pulls the knives out, his head just pops off like a like daisy and it's like she jumps off and, and explodes and then like it shows a graphic of her which is weird because like how they edit this but she's like smiling on the on the kill cam and it, it shows her name it's like first kill Mina. so it's like all like you know weird ass yeah Death. it's like tekken or mortal Kombat or street fighter or something like that it reminds me kind of like the death race yes very death racian god i love that movie yeah, both versions both versions of it. Yeah. I don't know, those those remakes or sequel remakes or whatever. Some of them got weird, but yeah, the whole concept of it, I love it. Yeah. All right. Justice is up next and he's got magic guns that just kind of they're they're like collapsible guns and when he sticks his hands out they appear. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Borderlands. Like he just he kind of puts his hands out and he's like, "All right, let's do this." So the guns kind of fold out. Yeah. Digi-struck right in your hand, and then you're like, all right, let's start shooting stuff. I thought yeah. that was weird. Like, he's in jail, right? Prisoner. But like his special power or whatever is 
he just digistructs guns. Yeah. He's like, uh, I'm not sure what that's what that's about or how that's supposed to work, and it's never explained. Yeah, it, it never is, and they don't have to because like that's that's that guy's superpower is he, he has one liners and he just all of a sudden magically it, guns appear. Well, there's a biker headed straight for him. Uh, Justice takes a couple of shots at him and misses, so he just ducks out of the way, and the biker runs straight into the wall. Yeah, yeah. and there's our second kill. Number one man is up next. He's taking on an opponent that has appeared on foot and punches his head off while Justice appears to be shooting at random and hitting members of the audience. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just because he can make guns come out of his hand doesn't mean he's like a good shot. No. No, he's just basically firing at random and... I guess I can, you know, I hate these people in the audience that are making me participate in this blood sport. I'm going to take some shots and and kill a few of them and claim it was an accident. Yeah, it's like uh, it didn't help out in the gladiator fight, but hey, you know, I got a couple of shots. Up. Exactly. Well, Mina asks Manborg if he's going to do anything to help. He's just been standing around watching and not being attacked. Yeah. Because apparently you can just hang out in the center of an arena while hover bikes are zipping around trying to kill people. And they'll leave you alone. Also, out of the combatants, he's like, he's so stiff and awkward that they probably don't even think of him as like a real threat because he is just like a robot. Right. And he's very, very slow. Yeah. You're, you're the, the other characters are like ninjas or assassins. And he's just like a stiff board in the middle of like the arena. Well, he finally gets attacked and discovers that he has a giant machine gun hidden in his robot arm. Awesome. But it doesn't help him because he quickly loses control. <laughs> Ends up flat on his back, shooting up the crowd. He almost shot Mina. Yeah. <laughs> but he what? ends up on his back like a turtle, shooting up into the air. Mina throws a knife at one of the bikers and stabs him in the head. Now he's out of control and headed straight for her. But number one man uses a flying kick to knock him out of the way. All the enemies are down. The humans win. And Manborg is still stuck on his back. <laughs> like a turtle. Just like a turtle. And he just looks so pathetic. He's on his back with his arms and legs waving in the air. And he's shouting, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and nobody's going to help him. It's got that weird robot uh, voice filter on, too. Yeah. He's always shouting. Always shouting. Yeah. Is that like after he became a robot, like he just cannot control the volume of his voice. It's right. just always awkward barking out of like some kind of phrase or word that he heard. In fact, when they're in the jail right before the fight, they're like, um, you know, what's your name? You know, and then he's like, it is one human hand and it is one robot hand. And he's like, man, bark. Just, oh, man. Yeah. Apparently, he doesn't have much memory of his life before waking up as a robot. Hell no, man. He's, he's got some... It's very RoboCop style. Yeah. He, he doesn't remember his identity, but he has occasional flashbacks of his life before. Yeah. 
Well, in his lab, Dr. Scorpius sees all the monitors change to static, and he knows that Count Draculon is going to contact him telepathically. Draculon is pissed that the games aren't providing more human blood. Yeah, I mean, if he wants human blood, he kill more people. I don't know. You would think, yeah, but apparently Draculon, rather than, we've got an entire human population because you have an entire human world. So rather than just go grab a human and this is your juice box, no, we have to have a blood sport that will drain the blood from them and provide it to him in nice, clean containers. I don't know. It's, it's just, it just seems weird. <laughs> it does. Well, backstage, Justice is standing in front of some kind of scanner. So maybe they do take the weapons away from them after they leave the arena. Yeah. The humans are questioning Manborg now. They think he's a spy because of his shenanigans. <laughs> That's Justice. a word that Justice likes to use a lot. Yeah. He's like, he's got all the catchphrases. He's, he's pretty much, yeah, he's like Bart Simpson. Yeah. So Justice believes that there are shenanigans happening here, and Manborg is probably a spy. Number one man says that Manborg almost got Mina killed, and that's all Justice needs to hear. He's kicking Manborg out of the band at this point. Yeah, they haven't even really started. You know, like, they haven't really solidified as a group, and he's already out. Yeah, he tells Manborg to just get out of here, go up to the street and catch a ride. But they're in prison. They can't leave. What the hell? It's like they, they lock them up in, like, these electric cages and stuff. So it's like, you know... He ain't going nowhere. Right. Next, we see them all sitting in their prison cells, and they're all still together. The Baron shows up. He's going he's gonna to try to flirt with Mina again. <laughs> of course. Well, she's not even responding to him now, so he's, oh, I guess I'll go now, and he turns around and walks right into the laser bars that are behind him. <laughs> Where did that come from? Her. <laughs> It's just hilarious. He's so, so horribly cringy, awkward. It's wonderful. I love it. I'm not going to tell anybody that he reminds me of me when I was trying. <laughs> Telling everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as the Baron leaves, a robot comes in to collect Manborg and escort him out. On his way out of his cell, he drops the picture of him and his brother. Next, we cut to the Baron asking Dr. Scorpius for advice on how to win Mina over. Because, well, apparently the Baron doesn't know how to process human emotion. And so he's asking for Scorpius's advice. Scorpius tells him maybe he should talk to the Count since they get along so well. We get along when he's sober. Also, he, he like, I, I think when they're talking and stuff, he sits down when he's asking for advice and he's starting to smoke Baroness. Right. Just, funny, he's so he's having an anxiety attack. He needs yeah. a cigarette. He, he sits down and he's trying to smoke a cigarette, but he's like, he's wearing a mask. Right. You know, because yeah, he's but uh, somehow it works. It works. It's funny as shit, though. <laughs> 
Hey everybody, Mike McDonald here. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about our Patreon, where you can support this podcast for as little as $1 per episode. And when you make a pledge at any level, that money allows us to make donations to film schools all across the country. It's our way of giving a little something back to the great people who make the movies we enjoy so much. So go to patreon.com slash cdfpod and join at any level. No matter which level you choose, we think you're awesome for supporting the filmmakers of tomorrow. Patreon.com slash CDFpod. Well, Scorpius explains that he is very busy. He's got a lot of work. And on the little holographic display in front of him, you see he's playing tic-tac-toe. Yeah. (laughs) It's the little things like that in the dialogue and the scenes and stuff that really sell this movie. Like the little comic bits like that. Yeah. But uh, like you said, Baron's having an anxiety attack. He's a cigarette. Scorpius says, I thought you quit smoking. Baron says, don't you start. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. It's like the the script just goes away at this point, And they're just a couple people giving each other shit. Those are the little moments I like in this movie. It, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that part. Well, back in the arena, Manborg is facing off in a solo fight. Scorpius is holding a cassette tape and seems to be rooting for Manborg to win. The other prisoners are watching this fight on a TV from their cells. And when Manborg's claymation opponent emerges, Justice comments that no one has ever beaten the champion. And then he strikes another Billy Idol pose. That creature or whatever, that stop motion monster, Manborg has to fight. Yeah. The champion or whatever. It's really, really cool looking. Yeah, it's one of the better looking monsters in this movie. It's like the size of a Rancor or something, like Return of the Jedi. It's like huge. Yep. But, you know, it's just like a small toy stop motion. Well, Manborg just stands there and lets the champion beat on him for a little while. Um, once the champion picks him up, Manborg discovers he's got a laser on his head. And he shoots the champion in the eye with his laser. Hell yeah. The champion drops him, and Manborg tries to use his giant gun, but it's not appearing for some reason. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of laughing around and stuff. He keeps on kind of the other people in the jail watching it and stuff. What I loved here is when the champion picked Manborg up and was shaking him. Oh, yeah. You, you see a bit where. He's on camera, just kind of uh, thrashing around to make it look like he's being flung around. And then, yeah, it cuts to the, the wide shot, and it's totally like it's not even the, like the, the scales off, and like it's like a, you can tell it's a doll that's getting shook around. Right, right. We got a claymation robot monster flailing around a little claymation model of Manborg. Well, the gun doesn't come out. However, Manborg learns about a new tool that he has when his arm bends back and he's got an elbow-mounted missile launcher. I know, man. I think that's why he doesn't have memory. That I mean, he has like little flashbacks, but I think they erased his memory just so he can have more room for weapons. Probably, yeah. Because it's like this army knife. He keeps on coming up with different guns. <laughs> like, where do they put all this stuff at? Well, he launches the missile out of his elbow and blows the champion's head off. Manborg wins. Next, we see the Baron 
Shadow Mega and some other person walking into the cell block upset about Manborg's win. This is when we learn the reason the Baron wears those goofy glasses. They're like plastic glasses with an eye drawn on them or something. Almost like swim goggles. Yeah, it's like uh, he's got like swim goggles permanently affixed to his face. But there's, there's nothing in the center. It's just like on the sides. But it's weird. Well, it turns out that number one man was offered the opportunity to train soldiers for the army of hell. And when he refused, he had to fight Baron in the arena and he ripped out the Baron's eyes. Yeah, he kicked his ass. Number one man reminds the Baron of this, which just thoroughly flusters him and he just has to stalk away angrily. Mm -hmm. You're lucky I'm not going to kick your butt today. Yeah. I gotta <laughs> go find stuff. Next, we cut to Manborg. He's restrained in some kind of interrogation chamber, and the Baron threatens Manborg, then tells Shadow Mega, if threats aren't going to work against him, we'll just kill his friends. And so he sends Shadow Mega to kill the other prisoner, except for prisoner number seven. Keep her. And that makes Shadow Mega kind of mad. Yeah. She's very upset by that for some reason. She's really weird. She's like stoic, but then like every once in a while, like her emotions are flare. She'll still be silent. She's like when it's silent, you know, bad guys. Yeah. But yeah. Like you, like you see the look on her eyes and it's like, yeah, she's not happy with her life or her job. Right. Either that or she was looking forward to the opportunity to kill Mina. Yeah. They set them up very early on. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like they do that. Like the only two chick, you know, or only two chicks because so they're going to have to fight each other, right? Yeah, we're going to find out later on what this is all about. Maybe they're rivals at this point. We don't really know. Well, the Baron explains that Manborg is going to be kept alive until he can face Count Draculon personally. Then the Baron leaves and Scorpius enters to talk to Manborg. He explains that he is the one that was off camera dragging away his shot up corpse. He's the one that saved Manborg's life and rebuilt him. Manborg shouts, I don't believe you, to which Dr. Scorpius replies, I'll ask the questions here. <laughs> yeah. That confused me and Manborg because Manborg says, What? He looked right. But then what? <laughs> then the Doctor, this at this point, Doctor Scorpius to me becomes like Doctor Light from the Mega Man series, where he's the one like you know fished this body out of the gutter, turned it into a, a man board, and like kind of like try to give humanity like its last hope. But like Doctor Scorpius is doing it all while he's working, you know, for the man. So he's right. doing his push. Yeah, he is secretly working against Draculon. Scorpius built Manborg using Hell's robot technology for make to in order to make up for accidentally opening a gateway to Hell through science. Yeah, so that's a lot of video game stuff to unpack there. Yeah, it's like Those... they got bits of Doom, bits of Mortal Kombat. It's like all kinds of crazy shit going on. Right. 
So Scorpius was a computer scientist. He was working on some sort of program for science, and it opened up a gateway to hell in his office through computer code. Yeah. Well, this just pisses Manborg off because everything that's going on is Scorpius's fault. He uses his eye laser to shoot his restraints and stalks towards Scorpius. Scorpius tries to shoot Manborg with his power glove, but it doesn't have any effect on him at all. And then he it, he shouts at Manborg that he could be a hero. Now, this is the only thing that Manborg wants. This is how he's going to make up for not being able to save his brother is by being a hero now. Yeah. Well, Scorpius explains that he has set it up so that Manborg would wake up in the future in order to face Draculon, and he gives him a future cassette tape for something. We're supposed to assume it'll help him defeat Draculon, and then there is the most awkward robot handshake in the history of film. <laughs> now, it's a future cassette tape, because in the future, Things are identified by putting future in front of their name. Oh, just, yeah. just like the Archer season in outer space where everything had the word space in front of it. They did the exact same thing here with future. Kind of like a turbo kid. They just added turbo. Right. <laughs> well, back in the cell block, Shadow Mega has opened up the cells to execute the prisoners. But she left when the alarms went off because Manborg had escaped. They're talking about escaping from their cells now, but there's a robot guard there who tells them all to shut up. <laughs> but then Manborg breaks down the door and squashes the robot guard, so screw that guy. Yeah, I love those like stop-motion flying robots. It reminds me of uh, the Black Hole. or Yes. It's like little kind of Robbie the Robot floating thing. Right. They're a lot like the black hole. There's little floating robots like that in in Fallout as well. Oh, um, yeah. Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. The Well, the uh, the the Mr. Handy robots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Manborg shoots a control panel. It's a it's just a regular control panel. It's not a future control panel. <laughs> Which turns off the laser bars, allowing everyone to escape, and they head to the hangar bay. But Mina stops him and gives him back the picture of him and his brother, because family's everything, right? Oh, yeah. Draculon appears on the monitors in the hallway as the gang is heading toward the hangar. This causes the monitors to explode. Mm -hmm. They make it to the doorway to the hangar, but it has a future lock on it or as they call it in the future, a lock. <laughs> so they are future screwed. Yeah. And Shadow Mega is coming for them again. She seems to be completely impervious to Manborg's bullets because he's got his, his giant gun working again, and it seems like he can kind of use it this time. Justice shoots the future lock, and they escape just in time. We cut to the Baron. One of the things that Scorpius suggested to the Baron if he wanted to impress Mina was to buy her something. So he's bought her a little bouquet of flowers and he's going to go give it to her. 
He's getting himself all worked up. All right. This is what we've been building up to. We could do this. You can do this, Baron. Just go in there and say it. <laughs> yeah. It's more like little comedy from Baron where he's like, yeah, doing his pep talk and shit. And he's like, he's like, he's doing the whole pet talk, but he's like holding the flowers out. Like he's like talking to her. <laughs> and he's like, just so awkward and shit. <laughs> and then he like realizes shit went down and stuff. Yeah. He goes into the cell block. He's all ready to present his gift to the girl he loves. And they're all gone. Yeah. <laughs> response is wonderful. He's, yeah, of course. He just sits down. Yeah, there's something about that. Like, he sits down. He's like, ah, damn it. And then, like, it meets Draculon. He, he calls on, like, the, the view screen or whatever. Yeah, Draculon shows up. And the Baron tries to hide the flowers behind his back. But it's we've like, all seen Scooby-Doo. We know that doesn't work. Like, are, are those flowers for me? Or, this is, uh, no, the, I, the prisoners must have used these flowers in their escape plan. Just just little gems like this made this movie so much fun. Well, in the hangar, the prisoners are all hiding behind some boxes, except for Manborg, who is loud and can't squat, apparently. So he's just standing there talking very loudly with his robot motors whirring and, and making a lot of noise. Yeah, like Justice and Number One Man are like, hey, shut up, you know, hey, you know, be quiet. <laughs> There's some boxes, just shut up. Like they see the people, like uh, the killboards or whatever, marching in the distance. And then, like, the uh, mainboard's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, knocking boxes. <laughs> yeah. The guards look over when they hear this noise. And we see Manborg trying to arrange a couple of small boxes to hide behind, a lot like a cat in the yard trying to hide behind a dandelion. Yeah. And it totally doesn't work. And so we're going to fight again. The fight begins with lots of anime sound effects and visual effects. Number one man takes out the guards and they escape on hover bikes into the city. And you get a lot of the cool uh, futuristic Blade Runner. Killborgs take off in pursuit on their own hover bikes. And we get a very Star Wars speeder bike like chase through the city. Yeah, it definitely reminded me of that one scene in uh, Attack of the Clones, like the beginning of it, where they're like going through that mega city. Yeah, it was a little bit like that. It was a little bit like Empire Strikes Back when they're on Endor riding the speeder bikes through the de through the forest. Oh uh, yeah, it also reminds me of uh, I don't know why, but uh, Highlander Two. There's that one. I think it's because the, the 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 killboards are like on hover uh, platforms or whatever. Yeah, board. yeah. So that probably yeah, it kind of reminds me of Highlander too. Well, then from here we cut to the Baron just beating Scorpius. They now know that Scorpius is working against them, and cables shoot out and tie his wrists and ankles and suspend him in the air. Then we see an exterior shot of the tower where lights are flashing inside a window as Scorpius is being electrocuted. The prisoners manage to escape. They are now outside the city in blasted ruins. There's a flashback scene where we see Mina being separated from the girl who will eventually become Shadow Mega. And Justice is 
absolutely terrified of poor people. <laughs> yeah, he goes on this <laughs> That like, guy's got okay. garbage on his head. Don't put garbage on your head, man. You can't even hear me, I bet. That, that part's so weird. Like, yeah, Nina, she has like that whole flashback thing. And then like the whole time, they're like they're just cruising around the bike and she has that flashback. But then like, yeah, Justice is just going off like just crazy spouting off bullshit. It just seems like a weird, like him <laughs> like 15 minutes while everybody else is like contemplating like deeper shit. There's you know? burger wrappers everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so funny. I love that. <laughs> he looks like really like everybody's sad and morose, but like he looks really sad selling this shit. I mean, everybody else has a legitimate reason. He's just like he just doesn't like, you know, the dirty ghetto of because like it seemed like they were all from like the inner city, like the big city, you know, where like all the, you know. Yeah, it's definitely like he grew up privileged. Yeah, now they're out in the outer wastes where it's like you don't have all the resources. So it's like every, all the buildings are really trashed and like nothing but like homeless goons. Even as prisoners having to fight in the arena, they were pretty well cared for, you know. I mean, it was a very clean prison. They seemed to have everything that they needed, you yeah. know, out here in this wasteland where people are picking through trash for their very survival is probably completely foreign to him. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, everybody else is about that. But like, yeah, yeah. Justice is like just, I don't know. Yeah. Not- well, number one man has led them to a hidden entrance and you have to clear some debris out of the way before you can get in there. And he uses this as an opportunity to flex for Mina pressing a, a telephone pole above his head and looking to see if she is suitably impressed. He's led them to the hidden entrance of a hideout guarded by Little Guy, played by Mike Kostansky, who resembles a tiny little Ewok. Yeah, I, at first I thought it was that, that Roy guy, that, that you know, that, like world-famous midget or whatever. Yeah. You know, from like Willy Wonka and all that, but not... Like, it kind of looked like him, but like at the same time, when you see him, he's got like a mask on and goggles. Yeah, it's just a force perspective thing. It's not an actual. Yeah. Or dwarf. Sorry. Yeah, we got to stop doing that. Yeah. Grew up in another generation. There's so It's cool. a hard habit to break. There's every once in a while, they'll have wrestling at a bar in like Madison. <laughs> they just wrestle in the bar. My. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I understand, Jesse. Believe me, I understand. I'm just thinking of our audience and, you know. I'm pretty sure they like midget wrestling. <laughs> They're our audience, so of course they do. <laughs> yeah. Little guy just speaks gibberish. He is the guardian of number one man's underground hideout. And this is when we find out that justice has been shot. But that doesn't matter. He's got to pet that little guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they said something earlier when they were doing the chase. He's like, he goes, I got hit. But he's like, he doesn't look good. And then right. like, now they're they're stopped and stuff. And they, they move his jacket, you know, and then like right on his neck. There's just like this big ass like puddle of fake blood. And he's like, ah. Yeah. Now, as they were leaving the hangar and being chased by the Kilborgs, Mina mentioned that he got shot. But yeah. it was a total no-sell. 
and, oh, yeah. and completely unbelievable. And uh, now, yeah, I've been shot pretty bad. It, he's bleeding pretty badly, but that has to wait because I got to pet that little guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they get inside and apparently they get him fixed up pretty quickly because Mina heads out to the hover bike and Draculon appears to her and tells her that she all by herself. She doesn't have anybody who cares about her and that she should come see him if she wants to try to save Shadow Mega. Inside, number one man is trying to teach Justice how to read and how to make mac and cheese. Oh, man. Which <laughs> is like one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie. Well, Justice asked number one man why he left, and he explains that He'd be killed if he didn't train the soldiers for Draculon and the Baron, so he had to run away. And they're trying to figure out how to make mac and cheese. Justice is trying to dump the macaroni into the pot immediately, and number one man stops and says, no, you have to wait for it to boil. Oh, yeah, says that right there, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, we gotta boil the water first. It's like, yeah, I know. I don't gotta make mac and cheese. It's like, no, you don't, because that's why I'm teaching out. Yeah, it's a pretty good joke there. Off on his own, Manborg has decided to play the future tape to listen to Dr. Scorpius's future message. Is that where, when he plays the tape, that's where they get that like that little training montage where they... Become... Yeah, we get a little uh, hologram, a little Obi-Wan Kenobi hologram of Dr. Scorpius where he delivers a pep talk explaining that Manborg is the only one with a chance of killing Draculon. Next, we see Mina. She is back in the tower. She's sneaking past some of the Killborgs, but others she's just killing. That's that's a cool one where they, there's just one uh, Killborg or whatever. It's got like spider legs. It's totally just like a guy green screened on top of a stop motion thing. Yes. Like we're skimming over this movie, but like there's a lot of like little bitty graphical things that where they did that are cheap that are just kind of made like they kind of steal the scene whatever scene they're in they're like oh that's so damn cool how they did that right Kilborg with four spider-like robot legs and just just she's hiding around a doorway while this thing walks past and it is a good effect yeah. uh, i did like that one and we'll see more of those in later in the movie too oh yeah well Mina falls through a trap door. Then we cut back to number one man and Justice. They are outside looking for Mina, apparently. And they found a note from her. She is, a, and Justice, by the way, can, can read pretty well right now because he can read the note. <laughs> She's going to fight Draculon. Well, Manborg hears about this and agrees to lead them back to the tower to rescue Mina. And this is where we get our obligatory going to war training montage. That's the montage I'm talking about. Yeah. And Hologram Scorpius is teaching Manborg how to shoot that big old gun he's got without landing on his back like a turtle. I love it. It's like, yeah, the whole time, this is the mon training montage, right? All right. So it's Dr. Scorpius in uh, hologram form talking to Manborg. That's like the thing. And, uh, then it cuts to like justice doing like wild shooting technique, like behind the back and all that shit. Yep. And then it shows number one man doing like 
nunchucks. And I love that one because you can hear the voiceover going, hop, 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 Yeah. So corny and funny as shit. And it's like, oh, man, hell yeah, training montage. Yeah, it's hilarious. Well, Mina lands in an abattoir and there's like meat hooks hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, I like that word. Abattoir? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds a lot more um, bougie than Slaughterhouse. Yeah. Uh, She's immediately attacked by Mega, and a Mortal Kombat-style fight ensues. Total trick fight. It's the cat fight. It's not the cat fight, but it's it's the lead-up, you know? Right. Well, Mina stabs Shadow Mega in the leg and tries to talk her out of fighting, but Shadow Mega turns into a claymation killborg. And you're going down. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guys burst through the wall of the tower and start taking out Kilborgs and some kind of lizard man monsters. Yeah. There's some kind of reptilian guys, some toad looking guys with goggles that are doing something bloody. I have no idea what's going on here. I think those are like, I don't know, something of the Barons, like, I don't know, kind of like past, like, I don't know experiments or something they just show up you don't see them in any of the movie you're like like usually you get to like the killborgs okay they look like that right and same mask and stuff and then you got like you know dracula and his guys but yeah these these are like you don't see these guys in the rest of the movie it's just for this one scene nothing right they're just here for this one scene and there's no explanation of what's going on or anything they're just yeah we'll throw them in here got this like- mask that we need to use. We got a bunch of blood left over. Let's just throw that in. Kind of like grapes or something. Like, it's just weird. Yeah. And they, they got like, uh, they're wearing more leather than the average killboard. Right. Big aprons and, and goggles. It's bizarre. But yeah, they bust in. They start shooting shit up. Manborg leaves the guys. He's going to head off to settle a score while the others rescue Mina. Justice tells him, don't go in there. That sign says danger. Wait a minute. It it, it says elevator. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> like, Manborg isn't that stupid thumbs up shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally, like, weird ass arm. It's fully extended. Thumbs up. Like, awkward. Like, uh, freeze frame 80s TV show. Right. He tried that earlier, you know, when they tried to kick him out of the band and it didn't work. And. It kind of doesn't work here either. It works now because, like, they went through a training montage. So now, okay, yeah, they're best buds now. Yeah, so it does, but yeah, at the same time, yeah, he's awkward as shit. Yep. Well, we cut back to Mina fighting the Kilborg Shadow Mega. He stabs it in the head and then gets slapped down. This is the second time she's tried to stab somebody in the head, and it has totally not worked for her. Well, it's usually, it, it's, you know, she stabs them in the neck and their head pops off. But yeah, they're kind of a tough cookie. Yeah, I mean, she stabbed a biker in the head and that one didn't work. It, number one man had to come and save her. Now she stabbed this one in the head and it just knocked her across the room. She's got to stop stabbing him in the head. That's totally not working. You got to go for the neck. Go to the neck and then the head will pop <laughs> off. Cut to Manborg. He has made it back to the arena and he is facing Draculon. Draculon invites Manborg to take his revenge and then 
blasts him out the out the window. No, he's not in the arena. Manborg went up to the top of the tower. Yeah, he, he went up that elevator. No, I, I mean it kind of looks like there. I remember it looked like the arena. I remember the other, but it's it's more like it's not the arena that he fought in earlier. This is more like a uh, Thunderdome type looking arena. Yeah, so, so they're, they're they're in some other kind of arena now. Yeah, it's like a cage on top of the building, and then like also Draculon doesn't look like he did in the past. Right, now, like really messed up. It kind of reminds me of Spawn. Well, when they get a close-up of him, and again, this is another super muddy paint job on this makeup. Yeah. So it's hard to pick out any details. Eventually, he will look like somebody tried to make the bastard child of a Sith Lord and a White Walker. Yeah. It's got that weird, uh, yeah, like that, uh, that, like that main White Walker guy. Like he had that like weird... Uh, texture to his face like it was all cracked and stuff that's what it right like. and and very spiky yeah but it's painted black and red and the red is really buried under the black it's hard to make out any details especially with the the bad lighting here it's like someone painted their cells like dark maul and then blew their nose exactly well draculon follows him out of the window they land in an arena and we there's a crowd waiting there. Apparently, there's always a crowd available for the arena at any time. Yeah. Cut back to number one man in justice in a dance dance revolution style shootout. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, this is like one of my first, <laughs> like, the whole time, like, number one man is just, like, running around Kong Cohen guys. And then, <laughs> like, I don't know if you ever played Space Channel 5 on the Dreamcast. No. But that's but that's how he's fighting. It's like a, it's a rhythm game where you're a news reporter and you kill aliens by doing like dance. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's like that. It, it, he's like doing like, a, you know, shoot, shoot, jump, twist, jump, shoot. You know, it's like that. But yeah, they're doing they're, they're fighting all the forces. And I think at, at that point, like uh, what's her name? Mina, she comes in. Yeah, Mina just appears out of nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. No idea what happened between her and, Sha and the Shadow Mega Kill board. She's just there. And, well, they're immediately attacked by Baron when he throws a grenade at him. Yeah. Everybody's down. Number one man goes after Baron, while Justice and Mina have to face off against stabbed in the head Shadow Mega. She has reverted from her Kilborg form to her teenage girl form again. Yeah, they do that really cheaply with just like a little, it goes quick uh, edit to like just, it just shows her and then it shows her form, then it shows her again. It's like flip, 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 flicker. Yeah. She went from giant robot to petite woman, but maintained the knife stuck in her forehead. Yeah. Back to Manborg and Draculon. They are fighting with swords now. Manborg tries to use his elbow missile. And he fires the missile, but Draculon just swats it out of the air. No problem. Just bitch slaps it. Back at the other fight, number one man and Baron are still punching. That's all. Just lots of punching. Justice is shooting at Shadow Mega until she turns into a Killborg again and knocks him out. Baron finally gets the best of number one man. And while he's down, Baron just puts a boot to his throat. 
I don't know, man. Number one, man, he was he was getting like I don't know, like this is a whole fighting sequence, so it's like quick cuts, but like he's kicking his ass, and then like all of a sudden, like Baron, like just kind of like I don't know, like powers up. You don't really see it, but like he just stopped ass kicked and then grabs number one man by the throat, and it's like all of a sudden he's powerful. Yeah, like I don't get that. Like he was getting his ass. Kicked, yeah, I'm not and, sure. And then like in one one like just motion, he like just it stopped doing that, and then grabs him by the throat, and, like starts. Yeah, he gives him like a little couple of like you know jabs, you know, like verbally, you know, like he's while well, he's holding him up in the air, and then I don't know something else happens and it cuts back, and the next thing you know, he's beating the Baron again. Well, the Baron asked number one man, "Why did you throw away your opportunity to be a great leader? Was it for love?" And number one man admits that yes, it was, and acknowledges his love for Mina and that gives him all the strength he needs to finish this fight and he kicks Baron into some kind of machine that electrocutes him and just fries him into a little claymation husk yeah he just spin kicks him right over into the corner where they had like yeah a console it's like yeah classic like electric sound and I was like he's like ah like yeah he kind of like dies out yeah. Also, it's weird because, like, all of a sudden, when he spin kicks the Baron, then number one man's his whole torso is just covered in blood for some reason. Yeah, I'm not sure what went on there. Yeah, just out of nowhere, it's like, where, where'd all that blood come from? <laughs> uh, most of it's not mine. Yeah. <laughs> I should have put some newspaper down. Yep. Back to Justice and Mina. Mina is down and she's had the wind knocked out of her. But she's motioning for justice to get something that's laying over there. There's some grenades over there, but justice won't be able to use them until he can read the tag that's on them. That's this other thing, uh, like little gag that that like uh, was it? He's looking at the thing and he's trying to read. It. He's like, "All right, all right, all right, man, just sound it out." G yeah, he's psyching himself up to read this backward three. <laughs> Oh, grenades, grenades. It says grenades. <laughs> and then he can use them. So he grabs a grenade and shoves it in the Shadow Mega Killborg's mouth. Number one man arrives and kicks the Killborg away from him and so that it can explode a safe distance away. And Shadow Mega is out. The whole storyline about the past between Mina and Shadow Mega and what they meant to each other. Forget that. We're done with that. We're moving on. Yeah, she exploded. Yeah, she exploded. It doesn't matter anymore. Back to Manborg and Draculon. Manborg seems to be getting the upper hand, so Draculon amps it up, exploding all of the screens in the arena and opening cracks to hell in the arena floor. Yeah, that's where everything gets like... Uh prophetic and stuff it's like just weird like stuff starts exploding like in a michael jackson video for no reason <laughs> uh, like or erupt everywhere you start getting like planes shooting up out of the ground metal just combusts for no reason and it's all like uh, green screen fire and stuff so it's like there's no s real smoke it's like just all kind of like graphic upon graphic oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, we get some late 90s, early 2000s video game explosions where you get the little burst of light and nothing around it. 
Yeah. It totally feels like a full motion video game. Like one of those old CD-ROM things. Yes. Yes. Kind of like, you remember Mist? Those yeah. Puzzle games, but it had some some live action video cuts. Yeah. Or uh, what I like Twisted Metal. Like yes. Twisted Metal where they had like live action edited with like CGI. Yeah. It, that's what it totally reminds me of. Yeah. Well, Draculon chops Manborg's arm off and Mina runs to his rescue. She throws a knife and stabs Draculon and that still doesn't work. She stabbed him in the head and it totally doesn't work. Draculon just blasts Mina. When he does that, however, Manborg stabs Draculon in the neck and cuts his head almost completely off. And Draculon falls through a hole into hell. The fight is over and Manborg carries Mina out of the arena. The, the way this is edited, it looks like something else is going to happen because he picks her up and starts for the door like this is over and I'm out of here. Then we see Justice and number one man reacting like something big is happening. And the only thing we see is Manborg carrying Mina toward the, the exit. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's just like rushed editing and stuff. Plus, they're just trying to tie everything up. You had so much shit that they, you know, they started. Yeah. And like, they don't even like wrap up like half that shit. Like, like we said, like, like the whole thing with the Shadow Mega and Mina. Right. Kind of like cut. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's more shit in there with uh, Draculon, you know? And like, yeah. yeah. Uh, the whole thing with the the Baron and Number One Man, like they showed that, but it's like it seemed like they sped that up. But of course, this is a sh- like a short movie. It's a very short movie. Yeah, it's like just barely over an hour. And yeah, these guys are like king of short. And I, I like seeing them now. They're getting more longer, you know, feature. Okay, but yeah, yeah. it's like everything's rushed right there at the end. Yeah, it is. Well, Mina's dead. Once they get her out of the arena and into the hallway, they find out she is dead. She suffered cardiac arrest after taking a blast of pure electron energy. Yeah. A manborg has something inside of him that he can put inside of her uh-huh. that, w- that will fix this. <laughs> He's got a little compartment on his chest where he can open he can open it up and take out a little bottle of ultraviolet heart serum. Yeah, it's pretty much like the all spark from like the Transformers movies. It's, yeah, it's just like a, a one up in their world, you know, like a revive. Or as he gives this to Mina and that brings her back to life. But it's all he had, which means Manborg is going to die now. Yeah. Before he dies, though, the Dr. Scorpius hologram shows up one more time. Yeah. And he's got somebody he wants Manborg to meet. And out comes Manborg's brother. Eh. Hey, it's me, your brother. Remember I yeah. died at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> it's very uh, Return the Jedi when they had the Force Ghost out. Yeah. But the Force Ghost is a dumbass. Yes, he is. It would be like the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi and said, Hey, Luke, it's me, Obi-Wan. Remember I died earlier? Yeah. 
I died. <laughs> I'm still in there. Well, his brother tells him he did great. And also there's no heaven. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. I, I don't get this at all. What this is supposed to be. Well, Dr. Scorpius shoes the ghost of his brother off and Manborg dies. He just shuts down for the last time. And all the dead Kilborgs come back to life. And the three remaining characters get ready to attack. They're very happy to attack these guys. Yeah. It's it's like, oh, this guy's dead now. We can get back to what we were doing before. And <laughs> that's the end of the movie. Roll credits. Yeah. That was a very unsatisfying ending. It seemed like they set it up to be a series of movies. And it kind of like... <laughs> Uh, those the shitty movies that they're kind of doing like uh, an homage to was like that you know it's like some weird italian you know post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie that yeah. like even when they end even when they kill the bad guy they don't know how to end the movie and it's like it's like that it's like right you are curious you're gonna sell this as a series of movies and like nah, we, we don't have the backing for that but it'd be cool if we did yeah so, yeah, you're probably right. They were leaving the door open there. Yeah. And it, they never, the they never yeah. went back to that door again. Like, they do this, you know, they do other stuff. But yeah, I want, I, I kind of want a sequel. Yeah. It would be good, you know, to do this with a bigger budget and take some more time to write the story. I mean, keep it campy, keep it cheesy, but flesh out the story a little bit more and tie up the loose ends. I don't even want like uh, an actual true sequel. I I would just take these characters appearing in other movies. Sure. There was a sci-fi fantasy series in the 80s called Crossroads. I remember. Where they were using these pillars to travel between alternate dimensions. And yeah, something like that would totally work with these characters. I just want to see Justice and Mina show up in some other movie. <laughs> they could even be background characters. Just some guy yeah. doing a Billy Idol video in the background while something intense is happening in the foreground. They're like him making some more mac and cheese. And it turns out <laughs> also, yeah, that joke with the mac and cheese. He, he can't cook. He, he cannot cook so bad. <laughs> like he cooks so badly, right? It makes mac and cheese somehow turns into explosive. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll talk to Max and like, you know, I don't know, like 12 pounds of gunpowder. There you go. It's just like fun characters with a goofy story. Yeah, it is. It, it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Hell yeah. All right. That's a podcast. A podcast. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDF Pod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.